Hello and welcome to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm Andy Viano. On this week's episode, I'll be joined by two distinguished guests from Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks to talk about the recent announcement that the agency is planning to acquire more than 100 acres of land on the north shore of Flathead Lake to create a state park in Summers, the latest in a series of land acquisitions that they say are preserving the future of public access in Montana with state parks, wildlife refuges, and conservation easements. Dr. Alan Wood and Dylan Tabish will be along shortly for that conversation, followed by the latest news and headlines from the last seven days in Northwest Montana. But before I bring on my guests, a reminder that this and every episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast is made possible by the members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members pay as little as $5 per month to help fund the local, in-depth, and independent reporting we proudly do at the Flathead Beacon. Plus, members get access to an exclusive website and other great perks. To find out more about why you should join the Editors Club, visit BeaconEditorsClub.com. All right, let's get to today's featured interview. Dr. Alan Wood is FWP's science program supervisor and the man who helps coordinate the agency's acquisition of hundreds of thousands of acres of land for hunters, anglers, hikers, and more to use. And you'll hear from him in just a moment. But first, Dylan Tabish, the Regional Information and Education Program Manager here in Kalispell, has the latest on Summer's Beach, and we'll start by talking about how this summer in particular has only reinforced the importance of conservationist mission to preserve public lands. Habitat is important for wildlife, but habitat is also important for people, I think. And these last few months have really illustrated that. We've seen in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, intense crowding at our public access sites, whether it's fishing access sites, trails, state parks, public lands, forest service lands, you name it. I think people have really sought refuge during these um, really difficult times in the outdoors. And uh, I just think these last few months have really highlighted how lucky we are in Montana to have so many outdoor refuges for people and wildlife. And these projects uh, that we are lucky enough to be working on here in Northwest Montana uh, are just furthering that legacy of giving us places to go out and uh, support our mental health, our physical health in, in difficult times when we're stuck indoors. We have these refuges outdoors that I think have really been valuable and beneficial these last few months, especially. I mean, our state parks are at record visitation. Our fishing access sites are overcrowded. Our hunting season is anticipated to be uh, very busy. Uh, our fishing license sales are up considerably. Um, people are taking advantage of getting outside in nature. And so we're really lucky to have that. And we want to talk about those those larger projects and sort of the, the history and legacy here as well. But the to go back to something you were saying earlier, Dylan, about the number of people who are out trying to, to recreate outdoors, one of the places people try and do that frequently in northwest Montana is around uh, in and around Flathead Lake. Uh, and I know there was big news on that front. What can you share about the happenings at Summers Beach and, and how that project came to be a reality? Well, we have a really unique opportunity here to conserve 106 acres on the North Shore of Flathead Lake 
east of Summers for the creation of a state park. And that's thanks to the landowners, the Slider family, who has owned that property since the early 1930s. They're a well-known family in this valley and have an amazing history of conservation and, and preserving public access throughout our valley. And they uh, have worked with the Flathead Land Trust to look at ways to conserve that property of theirs on the North Shore Flathead Lake. And they've approached us and expressed interest in uh, selling us that land to be used for public access permanently into the future and to uh, keep it into concept for conservation value, which is really the opportunity of a lifetime. Flathead Lake, like you mentioned, is one of the most popular destinations in western Montana, if not all of Montana, um, yet only 11% or so of the lake is open to the public, is public access. And so for the largest natural freshwater lake in the west to only have about 11% of that shoreline open to the public We'd like to see that get bigger if we can, if we find the right properties. And so if we have an opportunity like this one present itself, uh, we'd like to to consider. And that's what we're doing right now with a public comment period that's asking the public, hey, is this something you want us to preserve and move forward with? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really rare opportunity. Later, I asked Dr. Alan Wood how FWP is able to put together the pieces to acquire a piece of property like Summers Beach, and what other qualities make for a land acquisition that fits his mission of preserving wild spaces. Anytime you're doing projects with willing sellers and not just going in and, you know, the government's not in the business of going in and just picking up pieces of property because they want them. You know, so it's really a balancing act and a combination between we have identified priorities and areas on where we would like to focus, but then you also have to work with available opportunities. And that's where the Summers Beach Project is a perfect example. You've you've got a family that's interested in leaving a legacy of public access, and you've got a piece of property that, as you look at it, it fits well within the landscape. It's near the Fish and Wildlife Service public lands along the shoreline. It's adjacent to Summers. It can provide overflow capacity for the the site that we have right there at Summers. And so each of these projects you look at and we go through screening processes of all the potential projects that are out there to see which ones actually fit our criteria, fit the program, fit the context of the landscape, and actually rank out with the highest values that we're looking for relative to which program we're dealing with. So it's kind of an art to uh, balance those two things, but it's really fun to work with because you get to work with some amazing landowners and terrific partners and and serve some amazing properties for uh, the habitat values and future public opportunities. It's a lot of fun. Alan, that criteria you refer to, I'm sure it's a little bit different depending on exactly where the, the property is located, but are there certain things that that you are looking for? I mean, what are what are you and your staff looking for when a property owner comes in and says, hey, I, I'm thinking about doing this? Well, 
Like I said, each of the programs are different. I work in the wildlife division, so we're looking at connectivity. Is it is it associated or does it build on other resource values in the area? Does it stand alone as having unique values in and of itself? Are there any issues that we need to be aware of ahead of time that would make it difficult to achieve objectives or cause conflicts with, with neighbors or resource users or priorities or anything else? So we have through the Habitat Montana program a form set up that, that goes through and, and asks each proponent to write in narrative form how your project addresses those criteria. And we've been really fortunate here in Northwestern Montana. We've had a lot of projects that fit really well with, you know, conserving large landscapes, providing connectivity to other public or conserved lands, providing wildlife corridors and and linkages across key areas or just focusing on really critical local habitat like the Bad Rock Canyon project that we're working on. Can you expand a little bit on the uh, on the Bad Rock Canyon project? What is that for, for our listeners and, and why is that going to be beneficial? Sure. The Fish and Wildlife Commission just endorsed our proposal to pursue the purchase of 800 acres of land near Columbia Falls. It's currently owned by the Columbia Falls Aluminum Plant. We're working with Flathead Land Trust and CFAC to try to put together the funding and the strategies to uh, buy and own that as a wildlife management area. The Columbia Falls Aluminum Plant, uh, Aluminum Company, I should say, CFAC, came to Flathead Land Trust uh, last year and said they're looking to liquidate this property and they wanted to give them the first opportunity to find a conservation solution for it. And so Flathead Land Trust contacted Chitch Flies and Parks and we had been talking about that one for a long time because it's one of those properties where it really does fit in a critical piece in a landscape and offers some really unique opportunities in terms of both habitat conservation and public recreation. So we're really excited about working on that project and trying to put it together over the next year and make it a wildlife management area and open for public access. When you say a project like that fits into the landscape, are you talking just geographically, like it, it just literally fits into the areas that are already protected or there's certain, does it, it fill a, a need where there, there perhaps wasn't a particular wildlife in that area that, that needed to be addressed? I mean, what, what is the fit specifically for, for this Bad Rock project? Well, in the case of Bad Rock, it's a little bit of both. Geographically, it sits right there. The, the property is east of Columbia Falls, just across the river, all the way to the fishing access site there at the Bad Rock Canyon that is at the mouth of the canyon there. And then north of the highway up to the river, there's some private land that runs along the highway there. But it, once you drop off of that bench, 
it's pretty much all of that land down there below there that people never see driving by. And so geographically, it's it it's a narrow little spot that comes through a narrow canyon and then opens up into a beautiful floodplain cottonwood forest. And so geographically, it fits. For the animals, uh, it's it's a pinch point as well. The the bull trout that live in Flathead Lake, some of them swim by that property and swim 150 miles up into Canada every year to spawn. And then their young, when they're returning back to Flathead Lake, will spend time there in those side channels. Grizzly bears, elk, a variety of other species, if they're trying to move across the landscape, that chunk of undeveloped land is the only place right there at the toe of the mountains between the Whitefish Range and the Swan Range that provide that open space corridor for animals to move through. So it sits on all of those aspects and also just in terms of the, the more generic human landscape. Fish, Wife and Parks has been working with the, a whole bunch of partners through the River Lake Initiative to try to put together a network of conserved lands that maintains working landscapes, high-value farmlands in the Flathead Valley, important protecting water quality of Flathead River and Flathead Lake, and wildlife habitat. And they've got several thousand acres over the last 20 years that have been conserved working with private landowners and all of those partners. And so this adds a big chunk. It's another 800 acres and over a mile of 1.6 miles of river frontage. Finally, we closed our conversation by talking about why the last few months have seen so many major projects move closer to completion and how Northwest Montana has managed to keep an abundance of lands open to the public and remained so focused on preserving the wildlife that lives there. Montana is big sky country, but in this corner of the state, it's really big wild country up here. And that's what makes this such an amazing place and such a cherished place by everyone who lives here. And it's projects like these ones that Alan has really been working on that keep these wild places wild and protect wildlife and protect these refuges that, that people are really, I think, increasingly realizing how valuable those are to have in our individual lives. The other aspect of that, Dylan, is, you know, I think there's a lot of members of the public that aren't into this as much as all the rest of us. And and there's just, like you said, it's big sky country and it's wild and open land between here and Libby where nobody lives but they don't ever really think about or recognize or realize that that's all pretty much all private land. And you're able to use that thanks to the good graces of the landowners that are owning and managing and paying taxes on it. And that's not guaranteed. And that's just because they're willing to do it. So that's something for public to think about is we've got Glacier Park and we've got Flathead National Forest, but we've also got several million acres of private land that people are willing to share with us for the time being. And we need to recognize and appreciate and respect that. Well, Alan Dillon, thank you again. Really appreciate the time. It's been, uh, it's been super informative and, uh, and thanks for, uh, thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Andy. For more information on the Summers Beach and Bad Rock Conservation Projects, check out a pair of stories we wrote last week that are linked in the show notes. 
and to submit public comment on the Summers Beach proposal, visit fwp.mt.gov and click on Public Notices. Public comment is open through September 12th. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last week as of Wednesday, August 19th at 10 a.m. The state of Montana continues to steadily add new confirmed coronavirus cases with 111 more reported on Tuesday, and nearly 6,000 have now been recorded in the state since March. More than 1,500 of those cases remain active, and more than 100 people are hospitalized around the state, including five in Flathead County. There are 92 active COVID-19 infections here in the Flathead as the Northwest Montana Fair and Rodeo gets underway on August 19th and schools prepare to reopen by the end of the month. A third Flathead County resident died as a result of the coronavirus last week, one of 84 total deaths in Montana from the virus this year. And speaking of school reopening, on August 12th, Governor Steve Bullock mandated that all students in counties with more than four active COVID-19 cases will be required to wear face coverings while in school buildings. Kalispell Public Schools had announced a similar mandate one day before Bullock's order, following a lengthy school board meeting during which more than 100 public comments were received, all in favor of mandating facial coverings, after the district's initial proposal only strongly recommended the practice. This week, Flathead County Activities Directors also announced the plan for the fall prep sports season, which will still take place, albeit with some scheduling restrictions. Flathead County teams will not travel overnight for any competitions, and spectators at all sporting events will be limited, with each student-athlete allowed two tickets, presumably for family members, and no additional fans allowed in the building. Most Kalispell Public School students who have opted for in-person learning, about 85% of the school population, will return to school on August 31st. Elsewhere, the fire danger level in northwest Montana was increased to very high on Tuesday, with fire officials urging the public to think twice about starting a campfire or using heavy machinery during the day, and that they remain vigilant in completely drowning any campfires and extinguishing cigarette butts. Late August is generally considered the peak wildfire season, and a number of fires have already been burning in Lake County, although all of those fires appear to be under control as of this recording. Fire officials are also on the lookout for a suspected arsonist or arsonists who may have deliberately set three wildfires west of Ronan last week. In other news, the city of Kalispell and a retired Kalispell police officer recently settled a discrimination lawsuit, marking the first time in more than 20 years the city has agreed to pay a discrimination claim. Michelle O'Neill joined the Kalispell Police Department in 1999 and claimed she faced inappropriate comments from fellow officers, that she was not accommodated during a difficult pregnancy, and that she was denied a promotion because she is a woman. The city of Kalispell said its insurer, who will pay out the settlement, recommended ending the case for financial reasons and that the city, quote, maintains that it in no way discriminated against this employee. Terms of the settlement were not disclosed. And finally, the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services has agreed to drop a proposed ban on flavored vaping products. The department proposed the ban earlier this year citing an increase in the practice among teenagers and the marketing of flavors they believe target underage consumers. 
20 Republican state legislators, however, signed letters last month opposing the rule, which would have triggered a poll of the legislature. That poll will not be conducted now that the proposed rule has been withdrawn. That's all for our show this week. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a rating and review to help other people find the show. And don't forget, you can read all the latest news from Northwest Montana for free at flatheadbeacon.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. 